There we go. Good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you have joined us today. Um, we're excited about the graciousness and goodness of our God. Maybe just me. <laughs> but we're excited about the goodness and the graciousness of our God. Can we take two or three seconds to give God praise because of his goodness? I don't know about you this week, but I had a trying week and God showed up faithful. Each and every time he shows up faithful and he displays his love to us. So I'm encouraged today to be here with you. I'm excited now to welcome you to Epiphany Church of Wilmington, Delaware. When we were saying that before, we were just pretending. But last week we launched our public worship. So we're excited about Jesus today. We're excited about the Lord that a church has been planted in this city where people have called this city Murder Town, USA, but we reject that notion. We say this is Mercy Town, USA, and the mercy of God will appear in this city through his people. So we're encouraged today. I'm excited about what God is up to, about what God is doing uh, in the life of his church, in the life of his people. I give God praise for that. I, I welcome all of you. If this is your first time with us, we say welcome. Uh, we're so grateful that you're here. If there's anything that we can do to make your stay with us um, uh, more special, please don't hesitate to ask. Um, uh, just a note of um, clarity. Bathrooms are to the right that way. Your left, my right. Sorry. Bathrooms are to the left through that door down those stairs. Men's and women's bathrooms right there if you need um, to use one. So we're jumping in to a series. I need my Bible dag <laughs> that'd be helpful and ain't none of y'all help me y'all just was sitting there watching me watching me back up here struggle that's all right i see how y'all do so i'm encouraged man so we're jumping into a series called making history you know last week we made history here in the city of wilmington by planning a church, y'all don't y'all don't understand. From the day of Pentecost till now, God has been multiplying His church. He's been making disciples. He's been the gospel has been spread throughout the whole earth through the planting of churches from the day of Pentecost until now. And we just joined antiquity and the history of what God is doing by planting this church here in the city of Wilmington. That is good news. That's exciting. We, we can give God uh, some praise for that because that's, that's good. Some things are okay, but that's, a, that's something that's good. Like God is up to something here in the city of Wilmington, and we give God praise for that. So we started a... Starting a series this week called Making History in the book of Colossians. Is that working? No? Yes? No? 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 Okay. We'll go. I had a little video that I wanted to show y'all, but I don't know if it's set up. It's fine. We can go without it. So I was preaching this morning, 
I was preaching this morning at uh, one of our partner churches up in North Wilmington, and um, they asked me to preach about, is Jesus worth it? And that got me excited today, like, man, like, just thinking about the goodness of Jesus and the fact that he is worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy of everything that we can give to him. And the book of Colossians is going to help us zoom lens into that. So join me, if you will, in Colossians chapter 1. We'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Um, We'll have it up here on the screens for you if you need it. If not, you can pull out your Bible or your um, electronic version of that. Um, I know y'all new age and y'all got apps and all that stuff. So you can pull out your app and all that other stuff. So Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to tag this text today as a history of faithfulness. A history of faithfulness. Join me in Colossians chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful. Somebody say faithful. Faithful. Brothers and sisters. Turn me down a little bit. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for speaking to us through your word, Lord. We We don't consider it as just ink on a page, God. We see these as the eternal words of our Father. So thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for speaking through us, Father. We thank you for all that you are and all that you've done in our lives. God, I pray, Lord, that in this preaching moment, God, that you would be glorified. Lord, I pray that in this preaching moment that your word will go out and that it will fall on ears that are able to hear it and able to receive it, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth, Lord. God, we thank you for your word because it's sharper than any two-edged sword severing the marrow from the bone. God, I pray that this word gets deep down into the marrow of our souls, God. And, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I place my trust. In Jesus' name, and the whole church said, Amen. Amen. Check out this quote. It says that health is the greatest gift. Contentment, the greatest wealth. And faithfulness, the best relationship. And I'm going to submit this idea to us today is that if we are going to make history, then we must be faithful. If we are going to make history, that's his story, we must be faithful. Join me in verse one where we see Paul, the apostle, Paul is giving a description of his apostleship. He is an apostle. An apostle is is a messenger or a delegate for God. So Paul, whose his name means small or little, 
was a messenger of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, or the anointed one. This Jesus, whose name means Jehovah is our salvation. Paul is an apostle of that Jesus, according to the exceeding magistrate of God's will. So we see God, so we see God here. He, he loves to use that which is small or little to accomplish big things. Uh, I wish I had some people who knew what I was talking about. I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself either, but, but I, I want to submit to us is that God can't use you because you have so much significance. He can only use you if you are small and little. Oftentimes we think we've got so much to bring to the table. Oftentimes we think that our degrees put us in the position that we are in. Oftentimes we think it's because we're so smart that we're in the situation that we're in. But I'll submit to you today that it is God's pleasure and desire according to his will to use the small things to do the great things. So that he can, the scripture says that he can utterly confuse the wise and the strong. See, God loves to confuse people. He loves to mix people's brains up and, and, and have them wondering, how is it that a little teeny tiny church in the city of Wilmington could help to turn the city around? How, how is that? God loves to use the small things to confuse the strong and the wise. See, Paul, he was an apostle. Note that he says here that he is an apostle, meaning that he is one of many apostles that God used. See, God, he loves to use an army of small, insignificant folks to accomplish his will. Do I have any insignificant folk in the house? We don't talk like that. We don't like to refer to ourselves as insignificant. But do we have any insignificant folk in the house today? Do I have any insignificant folk who know that if they're going to be used by God, that they have to rely on his grace and they have to rely on the goodness of God? If you're all extra significant, I can't hang out with you. I don't, I don't want to hang out because I want to be used by God. And if I'm going to be used by God, I got to present to him in my weakness so that he can show up strong see that's why god he he, he took 300 dog lapping soldiers over the 3,000 that's what he did he took 300 dog lapping soldiers ones who were lapping in the water like a dog he said give me those 300 and then i'll defeat the armies see god is calling us He's appointed us to faithfulness, but he's also given us ordinary faithfulness. See, he says here in verse 2, to the saints in Christ. Paul is writing to the set-apart ones in Colossae. He's writing to the ones that he has placed aside for his specific Use. And this is interesting to note because Colossae, it, it, it's, it means monstrosity. It's where we get the word colossal from. Colossae was a colossal city. So it, it was called that, it was a colossal city. And we see inside of the colossalness of the city, God always has people who are set aside for his use. Can I say this epiphany last week when we launched? We were set apart by God 
for the city of Wilmington to make history here in the city. And if we're going to make history, we must be faithful. He says, those who are faithful brothers and sisters. See, Paul is writing to the set of part ones in Colossae who are faithful. Faithfulness means to be trusted or reliable. It refers to a sure thing. I want to help us define this. I want to help us to grab this picture. So I want to give us a definition of what faithfulness is. So if if we looked in the dictionary, you, you would find a technical definition for faithfulness that says to follow through with a commitment regardless of difficulty. It's to follow through with a commitment regardless of difficulty. See, faithfulness is this. Watch this. Faithfulness is love holding on. See, it's love saying, I will not quit. There may be misunderstandings. There may be disappointments. There may be discouragements. But I will not quit. Faithfulness is love holding on for dear life. If somebody says, I really love the Lord or I really love the church, and then they are unfaithful, then it's hard to believe that they really do love the Lord and his church. Because, you see, faithfulness and love always go hand in hand. Faithfulness and love always Go hand in hand. I know this is not an easy word for us, but I, wanna, I want to submit to us today that those who make history are those who are faithful. You may get discouraged. You may be disappointed. But faithfulness says, even though there is discouragement and disappointment, I will not let go. I will not quit. I will keep on attending church. I will keep on going to my small group. I will keep on giving. I will keep on serving. I will keep on loving my brother and sister. I will keep on loving those who do evil against me. I will keep on turning the other cheek when those who are violating me. I will continue to love those who hate me. What good is it if you love those who love you? Jesus says, love your enemies. And we all think we got enemies because we all think we got haters. I'll be watching y'all Instagram. Talking about y'all haters and all that. I'll be seeing y'all. Let me submit this. The key to faithfulness. Is finding out what you were born to do. The key to faithfulness is finding out what you were born to do. See, in the book of Joshua, we see Joshua being faithful. Because Joshua understood that he was created for one purpose and one purpose only. And that was to lead the people into the land. That was his purpose. So he was able to be faithful to that because he knew what he was born to do. You have to find out what that is. I know y'all millennials, y'all always wondering about what your purpose is. Uh, Let me help you. Part of your purpose is to glorify God. That's part of your purpose. 
is to glorify God. Now, you hurry up and figure out which way that happens and how that how you do that. And we'll help you out with that. We'll give you some spiritual gifts assessments and all that other stuff to help you figure out who you are and what you do and what you like to do and how that fits within the church so that you can get your hands dirty and start serving here and join one of our wonder teams and get serving. But the key to faithfulness is finding out what you were born to do. Next, faithfulness is defined by the end game. Faithfulness is defined by the end game. When you know what the end is, when you know what your, what, what your goal is, what you're heading towards, you can be faithful even in the midst of trial and circumstances. When you know what the end game is, you can be faithful to know that I'm going to stick it out because I know that the thing that I'm hoping for, the thing that I'm waiting to see accomplished, that thing is going to sustain me to the end. Faithfulness is defined by the end game. Faithfulness is also a growing and developing characteristic. See, you must grow in faithfulness. Faithfulness is a fruit of the spirit. You must grow in faithfulness. How do you grow in faithfulness? By being faithful. See, the way to become faithful is to consistently pursue faithfulness. We don't understand that in our logic, but the way that you become faithful is that you plant your feet and you say, I'm going to be faithful to this even when I don't feel like it. That's the way to obtain faithfulness is to dig your feet into the dirt and say, I'm not going to move in either direction. I'm going to face what's ahead of me. I'm going to keep moving forward. And in that, watch this, God will grow in you the fruit of faithfulness as he promises to do for those who are in him. Faithfulness. Eugene Peterson defines it like this. He says, faithfulness is the long is, is the long obedience in the same direction. Faithfulness is the long obedience in the same direction. Listen, the Bible talks to us about faithfulness in 1 Corinthians 4. It, it challenges us to be faithful in stewardship. In Ephesians 6, uh, 21, it, it talks about being faithful in service. In, in 1 Timothy 5, 9, it speaks about being faithful in our marriages. Revelations 2.15, it speaks about us being faithful in witnessing. Romans 12 talks about us being faithful in prayer. Uh, Colossians 1.7 speaks about us being faithful in ministry. Revelations 17.14 says that we are to be faithful in following the Lord. Proverbs 31.26 speaks of faithful instruction. John, uh, 3 John 3 says that we are to be faithful in the truth. Are you getting the point of what I'm saying here? The Bible talks a whole lot about being faithful. I had like 10 more. <laughs> Listen, here are the five features of faithfulness. He's going to bring these up on the screen. The first feature of faithfulness is this. It's that faithfulness is the window through which people see your character. Faithfulness is the window through which people see 
your character. How do people know that you're a person of good character? Is when they see you holding on and sticking it out in the midst of trial and circumstances. That's how they know that you're a person of character, is that you are not knocked back and forth by the waves and wind of life. You stick it in there. You hold on. You remain faithful. You remain obedient in the same direction. We all know people that are unfaithful. Anybody know somebody that you just can't count on? They say, bro, I'm going to be there to pick you up. Be like, man, I'm about to call an Uber because I know he's not coming. I know he's not even going to show up. That's what we do. We know those people. And you know what? It's a mark on their character when they're not faithful. The next feature of faithfulness is that faithfulness underscores what is valuable and important to us. Uh Uh-oh. See, what you are faithful to is the thing that you value. And the thing that you value is the thing that you are faithful to. So we can get a glimpse into what you value and what's important to you simply by seeing what you put aside, uh, what things you put aside in order to pursue something else. So we know that you're faithful to Xbox because you put aside going to work to play Xbox. We know that you are faithful to making money because you put aside your family in order to make money. We know that social time with your friends is more important because you put aside coming to church to have social time with your friends. The thing that you value is the thing that you are faithful to. Next is faithful brings clarity and purpose to your life. See, faithfulness determines what we say yes to. And then faithfulness also presupposes what you will say no to. So faithfulness is going to determine I'm going to say yes to being where I need to be at this particular time, regardless of what's going on in my life. Like this morning, I had to preach at a partner church. They're good, good partners. We love them. They help us in so many ways. So I was being a little raggedy this morning, run a little late. So I said, well, I was going to do this. I was going to have breakfast, but I'm going to put that aside so I can get here on time because I value these brothers and sisters and I'm going to say no to breakfast and yes to being here early so that they can do a mic check and I'm not raggedy getting there showing up at whatever time. And then, you know, I'm black, so I, I didn't want to show up to the white people church late. So <laughs> forgive me. Um, listen, I'm sorry, I got problems. Um, faithfulness presupposes what it presupposes. I love this. It presupposes the ability to say no. We're going to find out that you could, you, you're going to be tempted to say yes to some stuff, but faithfulness supposes that you have the ability to say no to a particular thing because you are faithful to this. 
I'm able to say no on Thursday night to hanging out because I got small group on Thursday night. I'm going to show up to small group instead of hanging out with other folks. I know that I got to spend some time with Jesus. So I'm going to say no to doing this other thing so that I can to uh, have the time that I set aside to spend time reading my word in the morning when I could be watching ESPN during the playoffs to find out who won the game. Instead of doing that, I will spend time with Jesus as opposed to watching SportsCenter. It presupposes the ability for us to say, no, next, faithfulness produces discipline and stability. Faithfulness produces discipline and stability. I'm taking my time with this stuff because I want us to understand that history belongs to the faithful. Those who make their mark on the world are those who are faithful. Listen, when you die, what's going to be remembered about you is the thing that you were faithful to. What's, it's not going to be remembered how much money you had. It's not going to be remembered how many cars you had or how many nice cars you drove in your lifetime. If you like me, that was a 94 Cadillac that was raggedy, but I thought it was nice. But listen, whatever it is, you, you have the ability to be disciplined to it because you are faithful. And that's what the world is going to remember about you is the thing that you are faithful to. So I'm going to take my time talking about this because I want us to understand that as we planted this church... As we move forward to see the to see the gospel go out in the city of Wilmington, it will be through our faithfulness to God that that occurs. So then the simple and mundane, you coming in here a little bit early to help set up some chairs for us, is you providing the ability for the gospel to go out to a person who's able to put their butt in a chair and sit and hear the ser- the, hear, sit here the gospel through song as our worship team sings songs, to hear the gospel in sermon as our priest, and to hear and see the gospel in sacrament as we serve the Lord's communion. I know we think it's just setting up chairs. Errol. (laughs) It's more than that. And the folks who get that, they put their hand all the way on the plow and they don't let it go. Because listen at this, faithfulness has to do with delayed gratification. Faithfulness has to do with delayed gratification. You are able to put off other things in the moment that might satisfy you because you know that the satisfaction of seeing souls come to know Jesus is going to be more powerful and more potent than the satisfaction of me going and watching Beyonce do her Coachella thing. Uh Uh-oh. You stayed up to three in the morning watching Coachella. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Coachella. See, y'all, y'all correcting me. That's, y'all not supposed to do that. <laughs> Listen, it has to do with delayed gratification. Parents, let me help you out. The greatest lesson you can teach to your kids is delayed gratification. Don't you give them everything that they want when they want it. I'm talking to myself, too. Don't give them everything that they want when they want it. They won't learn to be faithful. They won't learn to stick it, stick in there and pursue what God is calling for them. Next, faithfulness marks the trail that you have traveled. 
When people look at your life, they should be able to see a trail. They should be able to see the trail that you have been on from the time that you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, received Jesus Christ into your life, until the time that you die. They should be able to see the trail of faithfulness to God in your life. Because faithfulness is the difference between dreams and actuality. Faithfulness is the difference between dreams and actuality. Faithfulness is what takes the thing that you believe for and make it become something that is real. So when we say, listen, I, I want to see, I want to see people come to know Jesus. We, we, you know, people said, man, that's big talk you're talking. When I was going around and we were canvassing and we were, were telling people about what we were planning to do here in the city, they'd be like, man, that's big talk. Because I would say, we want to see drug dealers become deacons. We want to see prostitutes become praisers. When I start saying that, some people are like, man, that, that sounds lofty. Well, I say, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that you serve a little God. Because the God I serve, he could take a pimp and make him the greatest preacher in the world. He can take a persecutor of the church and have him write half of the New Testament. He could take the equivalent of an ISIS member, Paul, and have him reach the Gentiles. Tell me what God can't do. See, the black church, they weren't reformed and all that jazz that people talk about now. I don't even know what that means. But I tell you this, they knew about the sovereignty of God. God will do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. Don't talk to me about what God can't do. And don't talk to me about what God can't do through you if you are faithful. So to help us better understand it, I want to look at the perfect example of faithfulness, which is Jesus. It's found in Matthew 16, verse 21, tells us that Jesus, he was bringing his disciples together and he tells them that he is going to Jerusalem. And he tells them, I know what's going to happen to me when I get there. I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to get beaten. And I'm ultimately going to be crucified. That would have made most of us say, nah, I'm good. But Jesus said, but I'm going anyway. I must do my father's will. You may remember that the next verse, Peter, that old Peter, he tried to stop him. Saying, Lord, don't go. I forbid you. I rebuke you. He tried to rebuke Jesus. That's crazy. But Jesus says to him. Get behind me, Joker. Back up. That's Wilmington translation. And here's the reason that he called Peter Satan. Here's, re- here's why he called Peter Satan. Because Satan was using Peter to, cu- to try to get Jesus to quit and be unfaithful. 
you better look that thing in your life that's causing you to be unfaithful. You better look at it right in the face and tell it, Satan, get behind me. You better look at, look at that girl that's trying to get you to be unfaithful to Jesus and tell her, not today, Satan. You better look at that dude that's, that's texting you, jumping all up in your DMs. You tried it. Not today. You better tell them. Listen. That thing that's trying to come in your life and make you be unfaithful, that is from the devil. Again and again throughout his ministry, Satan tried to get, tried to tempt Jesus to be unfaithful. Don't go to the cross. Don't keep fasting. Don't die for their sins. Just quit. It's going to be too tough. It's going to be too many obstacles. Just turn around and go do something else. Go back with the angels. The angels loved you. Like, just go back with the angels. Yet, I love how the King James says it. It says that Jesus set his face steadfastly towards Jerusalem. See, Jesus was determined that no matter what happened, he would be faithful. Jesus had determined that no matter what happened in his life, that he was going to be faithful to the mission that God had for him to do. Jesus knew that his purpose was to die. He knew that his purpose was to die. So I submit this to you, that the faithful live their lives from the grave. The faithful live their lives from the grave. We Listen, we got to have a nagging sense of our mortality if we're going to be marked by faithfulness. We, we have to have a nagging sense of our faithfulness. Uh, like the, the millionaire social media uh, philosopher, uh, Gary Vee, his famous words, his famous four words are, you are going to die. Like, that's a way to motivate people. You're going to die. <laughs> But it's the truth. You are going to die. Therefore, don't waste no time. Don't waste any time giving your life to things that don't matter. Don't waste your time pursuing after the instant gratification of things when God is calling you to stick it out for the long haul and be faithful to that which he's called you to do. If that is simply this, uh, showing up where God tells you to show up, then show up. If that's simply serving where God is telling you to serve, then guess what? Serve. If that is be in submission to the place where God has called you to please submit it to, then guess what? Submit yourself. We don't like that, but that's clearly what the word tells us to do. We got to have our eyes fixed on the grave, knowing that the day is coming when we will be no war, no more, and we cannot waste time or opportunities that we have to see people come to know Jesus Christ. I don't care if the way that that happens is by you setting up a chair. 
I don't care if the way that that happens is by you greeting somebody in the parking lot. I don't care if the way that that happens is by you beating on a drum. I don't care if the way that that happens is you standing up here and proclaiming the word of God. I don't care if the way that that happens is you being a bathroom attendant and showing people the way to the bathroom. It does not matter what way that happens. You ought to be faithful to what God is calling you to do. It's not about us. It's about reaching the lost. It's about proclaiming the good news. It's about being agents of reconciliation who call people into right relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It ain't about your social life. It's about the life that God provides. So how do you develop faithfulness? In order to answer that question, we have to have this simple realization that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. See, an apple tree produces apples because that's what apple trees do. They produce apples. What does that? They they produce apples. So when we are spirit-led Christians, we are branches attached to the vine, who is Jesus Christ. Therefore, us producing the fruit of faithfulness is a natural thing that we ought to be doing. See, when when branches are grafted into the vine, Jesus Christ, who is our ultimate example of faithfulness, then we produce fruit. See, grafting is the process by which plant tissue is transplanted into another plant. In order to begin the joining process of the two plants. So if you are in Christ, then Christ is actually in you. Therefore, your faithfulness to Christ and his church is a direct correlation to the inness that Christ is in you. I wish I had some people who knew what I was talking about. That when you are in Christ, you can bear the fruits of faithfulness because Christ is in you. My dad, he had to have surgery. He had to have half of his foot amputated. And so he's doing good now. He's having, he had to have a skin graft. So they took some skin And they grafted it to his foot. So they took some skin cells and skin tissue and they put it onto his foot in order that the skin that's on his foot would begin to grow. And I'm sorry, this is gross, but it it would start to grow without having without having skin from someone else or some other place in his body be grafted onto his foot. 
the skin would never grow back onto his foot and he would have a wound that would stay open because there was no skin being grafted to which it could hold onto and begin to grow onto the rest of his foot. So what I'm saying to you today is this, that if you are, if, if you are not grafted in to Jesus Christ, then you will not bear any fruit. If, if the, the mark of you having Jesus in your life is that you are bearing more fruit and that you are growing. So the closer you are to Jesus, the more fruit that you begin to bear. The more that you rest in your relationship in Jesus, the more fruit that you will bear. We don't got to sit around and think and wonder and analyze, like, how, would I, how do I become more faithful? Lean into Jesus. That's the way. So we got to be careful because temptation is going to come. We got to realize that temptation is going to come just as surely as Jesus was tempted to be unfaithful. We will be tempted to be unfaithful. We'll be tempted to be unfaithful in our marriage. Unfaithful to our children, unfaithful in our relationship with the Lord and unfaithful in our relationship to Christ's church. Listen. We need the spirit of God to reinforce and develop regular spiritual habits. I know you think you're trying to get yourself together. Stop it. You don't get yourself together. The spirit of God grabs you by your collar and drags you to where you need to be. And guess what? You are kicking and screaming the whole time because of sin. That's what we do. We kick and scream the whole time. But he got us by our collar. He ain't worried about us crying. He tell us, shut that up. Keep on moving. You know how your mom used to do you? Shut that crying up. Like, you just smacked me in my head. Like, what am I supposed to do? Faithfulness assumes three choices. I want us to to get this. It assumes these three choices. The first one is that we consider his history in our lives. Without having a consistent reflection on the history of God in your life, you will never be faithful. Why? Because every little thing that comes up, every little situation that arises in your life, you'll go running and screaming because you believe that God is not faithful to you. When you lose your job, you go running. Not remembering that God is the one who gave you the job that you had. And he gave you that job because you begged him to give you that job. And then when you got that job, you started complaining all day about the job because you don't like the job. So when you lose the job, you act all surprised. Anyway. <laughs> but you, we must consider his history in our life. Then you must cross the line. This is such an important one. If we are not willing to take the first step towards being faithful, then we'll never be faithful. If we're not willing to go beyond that which we think we are capable of, 
then we'll never be faithful. If we don't, to use the terminology, step out across the line on faith, then we will never have, we will never be faithful. So we've got to commit ourselves to crossing the line. How does that look? Practically, let me drive on your street. God desires for us to be in community with other believers. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. In Acts chapter 2, it says that they were together, they were meeting together regularly in the temple and in one another's homes. So the, the model is, according to the scripture, is that Christians ought to be together with each other. More specifically, that the local church ought to be an expression of our togetherness, our oneness, our unity with God the Father. So if you are in a local church, then you need to be committing yourself to being with the other believers of that church so that you can have community as God has desired for you to have community with other brothers and sisters. But if you are not willing to cross the line, if you are not willing to make some changes in order to make that happen, if you are not willing to say, I know that I normally have this going on, but I'm going to move my schedule around so that if I'm able so that I can make this happen. And we help you out here. We have it two times a week (laughs) so you can pick one. But if you're not willing to make some changes and cross the line, you'll never be faithful. And then lastly, you got you must count the cost. You must count the cost. If you do not consider the word of God and the calling of Jesus Christ as valuable You'll never be faithful. If you don't look to the cross and say, you know what? My social life is important to me, but Jesus is worth it. You'll never be faithful. We must count the cost in order to be faithful. Jesus demands our faithfulness. It's not an option. He demands our faithfulness. So listen here, Paul, as I close, Paul, he declares here that there is a reward for those who are faithful. And the reward is grace and peace. See, he says here, you, you who are united by, to one another by the bond of affection and by the bond of grace, you who are uh, united together, grace and peace to you, the loving kindness of God to you, the favor of God to you, then the security and safety and prosperity of God to you. See, Paul deems that this reward will come from the eternal magistrate, God, who is the originator of everything. And as children of God, the father, we will be rewarded based on our faithfulness to him and to his church. Why? Because faithfulness marks God's pleasure with us. I'm not talking about your salvation. Your salvation is secure. And Jesus, you're not working for no reward for your salvation because you couldn't obtain it. Amen, somebody. 
you couldn't do nothing good enough to get you saved. That's not how it works. Only the blood of Jesus by grace through faith are you saved. I want to make that clear. You ain't doing a good stuff, a bunch of good stuff to, to get to Jesus. Like you just can't. They don't make soap clean enough. Tide hasn't invented it yet and won't ever invent a, a, a detergent clean enough to wipe away your sins. Sorry. There is no ladder high enough that will get you to reach God's standard. So I'm, I want to make that clear. I want to buy someone say, oh, Pastor Derek's up there talking about working for yourself. No, be quiet. <laughs> what I'm talking about, though, is that Faithfulness marks us as it relates to God. How do I know? Matthew 25, verse 14 to 21, Jesus gives a parable of a man who went on a journey. And he called his servants and he entrusted them with his possessions. To one he gave five talents, another one two, and then another one one, depending on each one of their ability. That's important. It was according to their ability. God didn't just give it to them. It was according to their ability. Then the man went on a journey, and immediately the man who had received the five talents, he put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man who had got two, he put those two to work, and he got more. But the one who received one talent, he dug a hole and buried himself. (laughs) But he dug a hole and he hid the master's money. After a long time, the master of those three servants came to settle the accounts with them. And the man who had received five talents approached and presented five more. Say, master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned you five more. The one who had two approached and said, look, you gave me two. I present two more. What was the master's reply? To these men. He said to them. Well done. Good. And faithful. Servant. You were faithful over a few. And I will put you in charge. Of many things. Share in my joy. See God has given us. His possessions. And Ephesians tells us that we have every spiritual gift in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we must be faithful stewards over what God has given to us. That includes your time, your talent, and your treasure. So the way that we deal with what God has given to us based on our ability. You may not have the ability to come up here and sing. If you don't, please don't. Please don't come up here and sing if you don't have the ability to sing. But listen, if you have the ability to do so, then you should be using your talent and your gift to come and sing songs to Jesus so that the gospel can be experienced and heard through song. If your ability is the ability to design things, then you ought to be using your gift to design some things here at the church. If your ability is the ability 
to look at chairs and say, man, these chairs would look better in this direction, then you go ahead and you grab those chairs and you point them in that direction. If you tall and you can reach to the top of this, then you should come to church a little bit early so that you can reach to the top of that and help us out with that stuff. Amen, somebody. (laughs) Here's what I'm saying, though. God has given each one of us an ability. I don't care what it is. Use it for his glory. That's the point of being faithful. Is using what God has given you in order to glorify him. The way that he receives glory is by people coming to know him. That's the way that he receives glory from man. He don't need it from us. But the way that he delights in receiving glory from us is in people coming to know him in the fullness of his joy. So when you, whatever you do, however you do it, whatever ability you have that God has given to you, do it and do it faithfully so that when he comes back and he returns, you might hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Your faithfulness marks God's pleasure with you. Faithfulness is a mark of how God will deal with you. Will he be pleased with you? Or will he say, depart from me? I never knew you. And that's a caution for us who think that because I'm doing this and I'm doing that in the church, I'm doing this in the church, I'm doing that. Jesus said, you cast out demons in my name. Depart from me. I don't know you. I healed the sick in your name, Jesus. Depart from me. I don't know you. So don't get a big head thinking, you do this, you do that. No. Come and serve the Lord with gladness and faithfulness so that we can make history. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, your word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, Father. God, we pray that you'll be glorified through us. God, and as we work to make history here, God, you didn't call us to be regular. You didn't call us to be simple. did call us to be extraordinary and extraordinarily in faith. That's the way that we display your glory. That's the way that we show off your glory on the block in the middle of it is by being faithful. God, call us to be faithful where we are not. Give us the faithfulness that only you can produce We're not the fourth person of the Trinity. There's only three. We're not in that. So let us rely on your spirit to do in us what only you can do. It's by your grace. By your might. God, I pray if there's anybody under the sound of my voice, God, that doesn't know you today. God, I pray, Lord, that they might turn to you that they might trust in you today. God, that they might seek to say, what must I do to be saved? 
How can I walk in the life that that preacher was talking about? How can I live a life of faithfulness? I've been wandering around, doing whatever I wanted to do, living how I wanted to live. God, I want to be faithful. God, I pray that if there's one, God, if there's one today, I said, just slip up your hand. We have folks in the back who are waiting. They'll walk you through the gospel, show you what it means to live in relationship with Jesus. And then we'll begin the long, slow process of being disciples together in Jesus. There ain't no quick fix. But we'll trust in Jesus. Is there one today? Is there one who will place their trust in Jesus? Is there one? We pray that you'll be glorified, Lord. We pray that you'll be ever lifted up. And as you're lifted up, we pray that you draw me to you. God, thank you for that one. Is there another? God, we thank you. Glory and honor.